it's a bonus episode of The Dote. It seems like most episodes are bonus episodes, because the show rarely follows the original storytelling format. Well, fair enough. Sorry. No sponsors for bonus episodes. Deutsche Bank wanted to sponsor us. We told them to keep their dirty money and use it to sponsor next week's episode. Thank you for coming back to the Anecdotal Experience Podcast. Dan Remington also came back to the Anecdotal Experience Podcast. If you haven't listened to How to Win at Romantic Relationships, it's a good, it's a good hour of your time. Learn how to manipulate, learn how to ruin relationships you're in. It'll be terrible for you. But today, Dan and I talk about a shared experience we had, and it affected us differently. So I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be, it was really fun to process an event that happened or an experience we had seven years ago and uh, see how it affected us both. Learn how to be humble. Learn that you're not the only person in the world and learn that no one cares about you except for your mother. Call your mom. Call your mom and tell her, thanks for loving me unconditionally. Sometimes I forget that nobody loves me but you. So thanks for loving me. Let's do this episode with Dan Remington. I I wanted to be in a band because it seemed like a cool thing to do. You wanted to be a band guy. Yeah, I wanted to be a band guy. Yeah. It was the cool thing. I was already halfway there. I was wearing skinny jeans. Mm-hmm. I was growing my hair out. Um and it just seemed like the natural next step. We also liked playing instruments. I mean, we, we weren't completely all on the side of attention. We just, we liked playing rock and roll. Yeah, I really did. I liked writing music and I loved playing. I think it was mostly that for me. I think mostly my intentions were pure because I would go home and I'd play my guitar and like record on Cakewalk and like. Yeah, right. You know, but I did have delusions of grandeur yeah but i think for the most part i was like just wanted to play music yeah i think uh you pulled me into that you were always the one like creating artistic content uh and i mean you can't you can't create a lot of artistic content on a drum set alone in your basement true um maybe someone can prove me wrong but uh yeah you're not it was but yeah i needed like your writing um and that was good to start because you would come over and you'd have some fresh jam you had worked out of your house. Yeah. And then we would play through it together. And I was I had only been playing drums for a year and a half or two years. So it was nice to just get the practice to be playing along to something that wasn't Hoobastank. Right. <laughs> and, it wasn't uh, like the Hoobastank CD. <laughs> right. It wasn't the reason <laughs> with, was without the reason. still the drum track yeah. already in it. Yeah, right, yeah. So it was nice kind of doing something fresh, and that kind of got it all churning, like this, um, me being able to do a little bit of creative expression Yeah. by writing drum parts that fit to your guitar riff. Yeah, and we were hanging out with our friends, because it was, to explain to like the listeners, we were in a band in like late high school, early college, like two years. But we were with our friends. Like, I was writing that stuff with with Zach, Zach Hollinger, been on the podcast. But it did, it was, it was, we were in a band because we liked hanging out together. We liked yeah. hanging out with our friends. And then we also liked playing music. But then there was also an L, there was that element of people 
where like that's the band those are the band guys those guys are in a band yeah that was was cool and i i felt like (laughs) i always wanted to be like oh this doesn't i always knew the vanity of it i always knew like oh man this is there are people that think this is cool but i think i knew deep down i was very insecure so i knew deep down i'm like this is dumb we're we're a bunch of dummies and it was embarrassing to me to like see people kind of see us as cool because i was like oh they have no idea there's someone's the curtain's gonna be lifted at some point they're gonna realize we're a bunch of like we're bad musicians a sham yeah yeah i always had that so i never wanted to play anything up but that's what i think is so indicative of uh how much it was about vanity uh at least for me because i was doing a lot of the booking early on yeah Um, so we had practiced, I don't know, we had kind of like formed kind of this music group that played some jams and we had written some songs. Uh, it was all hardcore, like Southern hardcore. So like slow kind of, but it was trudgy. It it was bad. It was, that was what we were trying to do. I just want the (laughs) listener to know, to just really like paint a picture. We were, we were bad. Right. We weren't good. So, but the interesting example I think is that. We, the first show we ever played, we were not ready. Like, we weren't good. We messed up so many times at that show. And we didn't even have lyrics, by the way. The the beauty of hardcore to us was that uh, there's just a guy screaming. So we thought, you know, none of us are writers. We can't write lyrics. Uh, So just let this guy aaron get up on stage and scream it was a complete disrespect cool. yeah to the genre to say like oh this is just some guy making stuff up screaming yeah. a grocery list it, but it's like no it's there's an actual art to it but we were like no nah, he'll just figure just it butchering out it. it could have felt to someone that didn't know what was happening and that we were very egotistical it they would have thought it might have been a parody like somebody that liked really slow melodic music just making fun of hardcore music yeah (laughs) but it was not like an ironic performance it was like we took it very seriously and we were very bad there's recording of it really poorly yeah Yeah. it went very poorly but did it though dan i don't think it did the fans loved it this is the thing we this we played at a we were in a youth group we were in like kind of protestant christian youth group yeah and our senior year of high school and we played at our it was at our high school it was like this big christian event yep. there were a ton of people it was for the super bowl and we were playing the halftime show i think they were like oh yeah you guys can play this is our first show because we were in the youth group like a big chunk of us were in it yeah it was a couple years after the janet jackson incident right so, so it was they, like well we can't watch that anymore exactly let's so watch let's have local terrible bands yeah 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 <laughs> uh, yeah but we were so we were not rehearsed. We were very bad, and we I, it was just muddy, terrible. But it it I think it's really a testament to the fact of if something's loud enough, and you're there are like a pretty good light show, and you make a performance yep. out of it, <clears throat> it you can make something enjoyable for people because people were hype, you know. <laughs> yeah, we they loved were. it. People yeah, were paying yeah. attention to us, and we. we like we loved it, but we were bad. Yeah, we were not good at all. There was a lot of confusion. We weren't like ultimately, we weren't well rehearsed. We just weren't ready. Yeah, I remember getting lost in songs, and I couldn't remember what part came next. Yeah, I mean that's insane. It was a song that we wrote. How did I get lost? 
Right. And the it's not, our song. Yeah. And well, I mean, even the truly embarrassing part is not that you got lost, but it's the fact that you got lost and people, our music was so indistinguishable that people <laughs> didn't know. They had no idea that we had gotten yeah. lost. Yeah. But again, I mean, there's something to be said for insisting upon yourself, <clears throat> just claiming that you're a big deal. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was what we did and that was and it was i think it was your in like a couple other like travis and ryan yeah and you know a couple it depends different people at different points in times but sense of delusion that no we're we're good we have talent people like us and then that kind of overconfidence made people think it was like the emperor's new clothes like oh these guys are talented yeah when we're not yeah, but people were attracted to that. I remember being made fun of one time because when we would set up our equipment before shows, once we got more established and we were playing a lot of shows, we would go out and set up our own equipment. Obviously, we didn't have roadies. Right. We'd set up our own equipment. Yeah. Then we would go off stage, turn all the lights off in the venue, and then start like that intro track and run out with like the fog machine blowing. Right. Like, they just saw us. We're there. They knew we were there. We were just talking to them in the audience. Right. Because it was like our buddies. Yeah. But it was just this presentation of like, hey, remember the last time you saw that really big band and they did this? We're doing this. So guess how big we are. <laughs> yeah. And that's it's funny because it's like it's literally smoke and mirrors because <laughs> it was a, there was a fog machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But dude. I it's funny because a lot of people would see that and be think it's a bit masturbatory, but or you know, <laughs> self and like I don't know what that word is, but yeah, it's like, just uh, self worshiping yeah, or just it is egotistic, whatever you want to call it. But <clears throat> it, it but ultimately we weren't good musicians, and that made it a tolerable show. The fact that it was a good performance, even yep. though the music was not great. Yeah, I will maintain, I I don't think that our music was good, but I will maintain that we were good at putting on an enjoyable show. I think that that was oh, our public sure. service. That was what we, we, we grew up in a small town, so there wasn't a lot going on on a Friday night. Where were you, you're going to go to the Taco Bell parking lot right, and, and like, skateboard engine. with yeah. your friends or yeah, rev whatever. your engine on your Honda yeah. Civic. Mm-hmm. So we were providing a public service. It wasn't necessarily good music, but it was a good show. We got the people going. That was it, yeah. Yeah, we had lights. We turned all the lights off, and we'd flash uh, those like big work lights on stands, and we had fog. Right. And we would say things that like got people really pumped up. Yeah, it was just the each other. It was all the frills that go around the music, and we were talking about this yesterday that we were not professionals. We were not. We were gimmicky. Everything was a gimmick. (laughs) The reason you came was because it was like. Every for every other reason besides music, yeah, and it really, yeah, it was. Right. Like I would, um, I was doing most of the talking, not our frontman. So I was the drummer. You were playing guitar. Yeah, and our frontman didn't do a lot of talking. I don't know if that's just because I uh, bulldozed over him, or if he didn't want to talk. Yeah, but uh, I would prepare like notes of little funny jokes or anecdotes I would prepare ahead of time um, to say in between songs, like to add to the performance. Right. I think it was really because I had a mic and there was a crowd listening to me. I just wanted to say some stuff. But I would come, I mean, 
there would be like three jokes and then three songs and then three jokes. It was just right. the weirdest show. Again, though, it's still it. I don't know. That's what. That's it. it. It's what. It, that's was our performance piece. Whereas, like yeah. a terrible song, Dan's three jokes. Terrible song, three more jokes by Dan. You know. <laughs> yeah. Also and, terrible. Yeah, but it was. It, I think it goes to show you can make something fun even if you have little to no talent. Yeah. What, so so we got to talk about the name. Do we, though? I mean, it has to be brought up. People right, got to sure. know. Go for it, yeah. So the name of the band, we're Southern Hardcore. It's what we were aiming for. Yeah. There's a band called Malian and the Sons of Disaster. I think we were, we liked their style. Yeah. Um, so we were trying to head in that direction. So we were called Speak of the South. Um, no, we were, dude, no, we were called Speak of the Devil. Well, right, for one show. For one show, which is, ironically, we played at, a, like, a Christian, like, Super Bowl party. Yeah. And our name was Speak of the Devil. Right. But it, I liked the name. I thought it felt cool. I did, too. It's kind of hacky now. I feel like there has to be other bands called that. There is one. Yeah. yeah. But I at the time. In Canada. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it felt cool. It felt metal. Yeah. Uh, but we changed the name shortly thereafter because we were getting the vibe that we weren't going to be able to book a lot of shows. Like All the venues that things, were willing yes. to mm-hmm. host hardcore bands, they were seeing it as a ministry. Right. So they would let you just trash their youth group room or whatever. Yeah. Um, and not a lot of them were warmed up to the idea of a band called Speak of the Devil. Right. Neither were our mothers. Yeah. At least my mother. Right. And yeah. And then, yeah, I think what it was, I mean, this is neither here nor there, but like you put our speak the devil, myspace.com slash speak the devil already taken. Yeah. So you made it speak oh. of the South. That's and then right. that's where it came that's from. That's where it came from. But what an interesting decision. Yeah. We just rolled with it. Yeah. Just in the moment, I decided I'll just whatever. Since speak of the devil's taken, I'll do speak of the South because we're Southern. Right. But it, yeah, it stuck. Whatever, it stuck. So we were speaking of the South, and yeah. we were until the day we died. You know, and yeah, I, I liked it. I was a fan. You know, I still don't like it. Yeah. I still wish it was something else because when I tell people I was in a band, like I'm okay with it now. I I'm not embarrassed by it anymore. But I also don't. I don't think it's cool. Really? What would a better <laughs> band name been, Dan? <laughs> That's what oh any name you would have been embarrassed. Right now. You would have been embarrassed saying anything. Speak of the South, though, it's so on the nose. It's so yeah, like fair enough. Hey, it's like that colloquialism, but we changed it to be like our genre. Oh, see, I didn't even. Okay. It's like calling it "Speak of Rock and Roll" or something. It's just so hacky. I get what you're saying. Honestly, yeah. I felt like it was so absurd and so obtuse that the association from it being like Speak of the Devil wasn't even there. I don't think even people drew that conclusion. That's the way I saw it. They're just like, oh, it was just something completely it just, oh, okay. its own entity. That's what I kind of thought of it as, because it's so absurd. No one's going to be like, Speak of the South. Oh, like Speak of the Devil. I didn't think anyone made that connection. Okay. But. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, talk about you being on the, on talking in the mic. Uh, talk. I want you to talk about your coming of like <clears throat> self-worshipping 
being in the band because this was something I didn't really know was happening <laughs> until after. And you told me all these things about how being in the band affected you and like your self confidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've <clears throat> uh, definitely. I mean, I guess I've uh, like I said on the last podcast episode, yeah. I was like simultaneously very insecure, uh, but very conceited. Yeah. And, uh, I think the getting up on stage, um, and doing things in front of people and having them all like cheer and clap. Uh, and we would, we would like sell our shirts and stuff at the end, not oh, shirts we had shoot. made. It was like shirts off our back I that we would sell that. to like young girls. We were young too. Yeah, we were kids, but... Uh, So that stuff, I mean, that's a huge ego stroke. Right. You, I was able to pull out... At the time, I didn't think our music was bad. I mean, that's how... Of course not. uh, ...delusional I was. Yeah. Is it really was just about... The music was a means to get up on a stage for an hour. No, not an hour. uh, 45 minutes? Yeah, something like that. For 45 minutes, while people uh, looked at me and my friends uh, and clapped their hands and screamed. Right. Uh, that's definitely That's how you saw what it? What it was. Not at the time. You know, I, it's not like I was like, I'm going to use music oh, yeah. to get up on you're stage. You're not that self-aware as a kid where you're like, no. oh, this is, this is purely a self-esteem right. issue for me and not a yeah. passion for music. Sure. No, again, yeah, because yeah, I enjoyed the music and I did, I just thought we were good. Right. I was like, man, people got to hear this. We've written some good music. Right. We're very um, talented. The yeah. world needs to know. We're good hear musicians. Yeah. I felt destined to be uh, like a, a famous musician. I did too. So yeah. I still do. I don't. Dream's dead. I've died. I'm dead inside. Yeah. My condolences. Yeah. No, it's a great place to be. It's, uh, so that was, that was definitely what was going on for me, um, was this is, this is a good thing. This is my start down the road to great success. Um, yeah. People probably think about me in their spare time. That's the thought. It's just like you feel like a, like a god yeah you think not a god but it, you feel worshiped you feel like oh i'm important it's the safe like it's so unhealthy for like kids that young to get that much validation real quick <laughs> especially just like we just had friends like nice friends that were supportive and friends of friends that were supportive <laughs> and we're like oh these guys are doing a thing and we yeah. interpreted that as they love us unconditionally. <laughs> yeah. When reality is because just, of our merits. Right. Yeah. We've earned their love. When reality was just like, oh, they're like, yeah, come support our friends because they're our friends. Yeah. And they're nice guys. And we're like, you love us. You need us. You think about us later when we're not around. Right. Which yeah. wasn't true. But that's, yeah, that's what I was getting out of it. Yeah. Um, it was very fulfilling. To me and I really enjoyed it and I loved playing shows because we would of course I was booking a lot of the shows um, and started running shows right in our town because um, I had access to a venue and we were always the headliner I would always make us the headliner yeah. of course <laughs> so we would get the longest set we would be there when the most people were there right. we would be the ones that got to turn the lights out so it was dark and felt more intense. Yeah. Um, it was definitely about like, we're the best. 
um, people come to see us and because of our merits, because of our good music, our good looks, and our rock and roll. Yeah, that's... I'm trying to think what it was for me. I think... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Zach. I think I really did get a thrill out of doing the music itself. Yeah. I really did. Because I would... we do... It was dumb. Like... We had like moves, almost like dance moves with our guitars and stuff. Were they choreographed? I don't remember this. No, but we'd like stand on a, the drum riser and jump off, and we'd, you oh, know, yeah. my neck would throb in the morning from <laughs> just like headbanging. headbanging. That means you weren't doing it right. I, uh, that's probably, I wasn't doing yeah. a lot of things right. I was <laughs> very true. wrong in every way. <laughs> yeah. But I did get that thrill of like, I'd be exhausted after a show. Because right. I was very into it. I was very, yeah. I thought it was fun. And I really did like the theatrics of our performance. I thought that yeah. was cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think I, I think I liked, I think it always stuck with me. The fact that we're, we aren't that good. It was always in the back of my head when anyone, I would feel like someone, maybe I had that idea that someone might really think highly of us or like we're really great. Yeah. I had that idea that in the back of my head, I'm like, we suck, though. Yeah, how can and they possibly I've, think that? Right. We're not good. I've seen really good bands, and one day you're going to see a show, and you're you're going to say, Speak of the South is terrible. This band is good. Speak of the South is garbage. So I never really, I really never dug my feet into that whole <clears throat> being, I don't know, being validated that way. I was always yeah. very reluctant to accept any sort of positive feedback from it. Yeah. Yeah. That was me. I think that the the first moment that that started to trickle in, because I liked our music and I I I enjoyed playing it a lot. Yeah, uh, it was fun. It's yeah. just fun playing. It was with fun. It was bad music, but it was very fun to yeah. play. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and I thought it sounded cool. Yeah, uh, so did I. Yeah. And I think the moments when it started to trickle into my brain that uh, oh man, maybe we're not good. Maybe yeah. we're just bad. Was uh, the second time we recorded music so the first time we did this like ep of th- three songs was it in like a dude's in basement. somebody's basement yeah we recorded it was just gar- it was just all one track <clears throat> nothing just garage band garagey very garagey yeah yeah we were recording in one room all at the same time all at the same time several yeah. microphones just to hear what it. we sound like uh and so that you walk away from that and you're like oh yeah it sounds whatever but you know right. we had limited resources the demo <clears throat> sure yeah and then we then we all kind of got assembled, put our money together, and went to this studio in town. Yeah, um, that was gonna separately track us all, like really do it. Right, we were gonna do it right. It was a beautiful building, beautiful studio, nice equipment. Yeah, and man, we would listen to the songs that we had recorded, and just we would try to tweak them, and we would try to change things, and it just didn't. It felt like sluggish. Or the music just felt sludgy. And yeah. I think it's just that we were hearing the purest form of our music. I think live music for hardcore, you can, everything just kind of gets lost in the mix. It's just yeah. very loud. Yeah. And especially in garages and basements and wherever else we were playing. Um, yeah, you're seeing the music for what it is. You're seeing yeah. it naked without you're all the gimmicks. You're hearing it cleaned up gimmicks, in a yeah. studio with like LED lighting. Right. And And you realize in that moment, like this doesn't sound very good. And I remember at the time I blamed it on the person doing the mastering. 
like the final editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought, well, I don't know. They must have compressed some stuff that wasn't supposed to be compressed. I knew nothing about sound engineering. Right. I was like, ah, it must be something other knew. than yeah. us. Because it sounds really cool when we play for yeah. our friends. All you know is we're really talented, and this recording <laughs> makes us sound like we're not. <laughs> right. So that person's not good at their job. Yeah, but it did start to trickle in. It was like, man, are we just not good? And then we had... So at this point, um, things were starting to pick up for us, again, through our efforts, not because we were getting found, you know, we were never discovered by someone that thought we were really good. and I'll give you, you were very good at getting shows and networking and talking to people, which, yeah, we can get into like a little bit into the business side of like how that compares to running a business and what it taught you, but yeah, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, along, keep going with what you're saying about uh, gaining notoriety. Yeah, through effort, you know. Yeah, so it was it was definitely through our effort and reaching out and trying to book shows that we were starting to play a lot of shows um, in other towns in our town. People, more and more people were coming out to see us when we were in our hometown in Warsaw. Right, and that got us into some markets where we were playing with bands that I think are still around today. Like yeah, Miss probably. May I is still. Oh yeah. Are they still this a band? is a good, yeah, they're very, they're huge. <clears throat> they're very successful still. Yeah. And so that was, we played, um, two bands yeah. before them and it was, we were out of our league. Yeah. This was okay. So yeah, you tell <laughs> Yeah. This was because this is a vivid memory for me yeah. of realization of your own abilities. And you're also your willingness to commit to a project. And we didn't have the nicest equipment. We had like decent equipment that we felt was good enough to play the shows we were doing. But we played and. We were coming from a place, I think, where we really, we were really liked. Every show we played, people enjoyed yeah. it. People were really hyped to see us, and we usually played last. But this show, you know, we're playing first or second or something. But we play, and I remember having this expectation that people are really going to, because in hardcore music, people would mosh, and that was kind yeah. of a response to like, oh, people are enjoying our music because there's They're like dancing and yeah. throwing their fists and exactly. pushing each other. Yeah, there's like a yeah, there's like a move, there's like a, a response that you're Reaction. supposed to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and these people did not respond to the parts of the song they were supposed to, right. and it. I remember thinking it was, and I. I think at some point somebody verbally said basically got heckled. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was like something about we like we sucked, and yeah. that was a realization. It wasn't super like people weren't. That's the nice thing about music, though. You can't really get heckled because you just start the next song. <clears throat> but it <laughs> right. was it was very clear to me while we were performing. These people aren't enjoying our music, and I was so used to people at least pretending to enjoy our music. that it was very flustering for me. And then the following band came up, which is a band called the Skunk Ape Hysteria. Really dumb name. Yeah. Stupid name. Terrible name. But they got up there and they were, first of all, they had far better equipment than we did. They had really great equipment and they sounded really good. They had really great music, way better than our music. 
and they also they were the sound we wanted to sound like yeah that was one thing they were speak of the south 2.0 right they were way better than us and also they were way more rehearsed i was like these guys and they had lyrics they had everything and polished they were polished Good merch exactly and i was like these guys are taking it these guys are taking it seriously and we are not we are half-assing it and we are expecting too much for half-assing it and that was a really that was really clear to me that we have a long way to go to even be a good band. Yeah. Yeah. We were I not agree. liked. We were like really people <clears throat> did not like what we what we brought. What we were putting down. And it was not even like we weren't oh well Skunk Egg was from there and they liked their it was like no, it was very clear. It's like, nah man, these people had a because we got paid pretty well for that show. Yeah. And I think it was just like, oh, they had higher expectations. Yeah, they weren't really into it. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good for us to get actually into a real market. Because we were, in a lot of ways, we were cheating. We were either in the very small market of Wars, Indiana, where mm-hmm. when we started, I don't think there were any other hardcore bands. Maybe like one other band. So we would pull bands from around the area. We would ask them to come in. Sometimes they were probably bigger and more established than us and better than us musically. Yeah. We would get them to open for us. And then we'd be the headliners every time. So it was again, it was that creating that illusion of uh, these guys are a big deal. Hometown heroes. And so we had that going for us there. So nobody was going to question, hey, have you ever really thought about how they're terrible at their music? Yeah. (laughs) And then then we got to know people in other small towns out of state. And the thing then that you're relying on when you travel out of state is people know, they announce you as a band from another state. And that feels like a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and so people, they're like, well, man, they're like a touring band. They came all the way from Indiana. And right. this is Ohio, <laughs> one state over. So uh, that, I think we were getting these false markets, this false impression of uh, how we really stacked up. So yeah. it was good for us when we dipped into these real markets with real touring bands and we were opening for some band that was established and they were professional musicians. They yeah. were signed on a label uh, because it was always very eye opening. Yep. I, I do remember <clears throat> one particular case when we were in um, Norton, Ohio. We played a church because a lot of this like we're in the Christian music scene. It's like hardcore. But a lot of these shows we're playing are in the Christian music scene. Yep. So we're playing at this church with a lot of other really like good people really like pure intention a lot of these like christian bands they're metal but at the same time they're all very evangelical and they're trying to spread the word of god right and so we somehow get on the show like dan said oh this wasn't in norton this was uh we used to play shows in norton at this place called the 509 oh can ohio whatever this was yeah i don't remember where it was first friends church was the name of the place right yeah Yeah, that was it It was a mega church or something yeah yeah we're really nice venue yeah it was good it was really great it was a really great opportunity for us but we were by far the worst band there and the main thing was we just weren't (laughs) rehearsed enough and it was like you said it was very clear it's like oh we got here somehow by like our name somebody we had a friend and we got hooked up but it was clear to me it's like maybe get be a good musician that's one lesson i will say be good really take what you're doing seriously get good before you take opportunities that are i mean because that was a lucrative show 
We got yeah. money for that. Yeah, that was one of our highest paid shows. Yeah, but it was it, we were bad, man. So I would say like <laughs> hone your craft, get good at it, become like a really good band, be proud of it, and then take it somewhere yeah. and say, look, here's what we are. Because had we we had really great opportunities that I feel yeah. like we squandered. I don't think we would have been anything anyway. But I will say we were very immature with the way we handled <clears throat> large opportunities. Well, I think that we. Again, this this might come back to what our motivations were. True. Um, we were getting ahead of ourselves. Right. Uh, because I wanted the success uh, before, like, the paying my dues. Yeah, we, like, wanted, we hadn't yeah. paid any dues. We just jumped into immediate pseudo success in yeah. Warsaw. Everybody liked us. Uh, everybody would always ask for an encore politely. Right. Uh, and we would give it to them. And so it felt like, uh, yeah, this is, this is good. Like things are going well. Um, but I really was just, I was so minded. So I was kind of the band manager. I was booking all the shows. Right. Um, I was kind of facilitating the merch and would find people to sell our merch, and I would talk to other bands about moving, like going to their town to play. Emily a show Beeson, with them. she listens to the podcast. I have to plug her. Oh, Emily wow. Beeson helps sell our merch. Kaylin Beck and yeah, that's right. She listen? Oh, no, I don't, I don't know. Emily does, and Alyssa Croft. Croft. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Um. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I they know that Emily <laughs> listens, and I wanted. To oh, good. Yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> your band manager so yeah, yeah i was kind of formulating all these things and so i was very focused on chasing success for the band yeah. before the band was ready for success we were yeah. we had the mentality of someone that was successful but our music was not matching we were like i mean i'll throw myself into we were good businessmen and we but we are terrible yeah. musicians yeah it was uh it's interesting looking back i um Business teenagers. We really were. I, d- I don't even think I really realized it. Um, right. But we had started a business. Absolutely. Um, that got paid to do things at places to provide a service for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would use that money. Well, we weren't very good at making money. <laughs> Nevertheless, dog. We, there we were a business. We, we had were, collaborative relationships. We had the marketing material yes. that we were always producing. And at the end of a show, we would get money, man. <clears throat> yeah. It, you know what I mean? Like we were paid yeah. performers. Yeah. And I, I feel like I can say that because I've also disparaged our band quite a bit in our actual right. level of. I'm offended. Yeah, you should be. Uh, <laughs> I'm offended at what I said. But <laughs> it's so, yeah, in a sense, it's like I will say we got paid. Somebody valued what we did. Yeah, we did it. It was a. It was typically about enough money to get gas home and to maybe buy some Taco Bell yeah. for the gang. Uh-huh. Steak and shake. For the gang, though, to provide. Right. For yeah. ourselves. The gang was yes. us. <laughs> well, and Emily, Alyssa, and yeah. Kaylin. They got some tacos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but I don't know, because I, I mean, I do comedy now, and I haven't gotten paid a dime. Do a podcast now. No one pays me to do it. It's almost, I, I do it because yeah. I, I enjoy it, but I'm saying it's it's hard to make any money, and we were making some. So I think yeah. it's, it it was in that sense we were kids and we were it was it was a business. And also you did another thing is kind of along with that 
self-ingratiating. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm going to say it. And I think it sounds good. We can look it yeah. up later. We'll you can edit later. in a different word. I, I'm so lazy. I, <laughs> That'll I, sound so good. I know. I Yeah, I've tried that. It doesn't work. What? It's very You difficult. tried editing in a different word? Yeah, I tried to like splice in and something, and it's... You think it'd be easy. It's not. Um, I don't think it would be easy. Well, it's as difficult as you think it is, then. <laughs> good. Um, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, along with that, you'd make these Facebook videos. You'd make like you like post a video, like montages. Yeah, montages, and then just like tour update videos. So yeah, yeah. we were good at social media engagement. That's what I'm saying, and yeah. that was another thing. It was something we did subconsciously because we wanted Facebook likes, and we it wasn't even it was before likes, but we wanted Facebook comments, we wanted the like mm-hmm. attention, and we wanted this stuff. We wanted to pretend we were a real band. We wanted to play real band. Um, and we did. So we played real band. We were like, we are the real band. We're a real band. Look at us. We're yeah. playing shows and like we're doing tour videos. And we did it just to jack ourselves off. But at the same time, that's what you have to do if you want to start a band. You have to pretend. You have to fake it until you make it. Or just in in the moment, I wasn't. I'll say I wasn't faking it. I thought that we were really into it. Right. I'm saying we we. Um, you have to be into it. You have to believe in what you're doing and go all in. Yeah, or be very good at faking it. Like you said, we weren't sure. faking it. We were completely delusional. We were completely <laughs> right. like these. Yeah, we're a real ba- like we're doing. People are watching these videos and they care. Yeah, that Dan spilled his coffee in the van. Oh yeah, it was just the dumbest updates. But yeah, yeah that was one of them. You're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was actually super funny. But but uh, people, <laughs> oh yeah, Dan spilled an entire gas station coffee. And it was a large, like very nice van. Yeah, yeah. Tour I, van. I think one of the, my favorite me- like images that's still in my head is seeing the coffee now, <laughs> the styrofoam cup now turned upright and steam still coming out of the cup, even From though the- completely empty. <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. the last vapors of the coffee coming out, just like twenty ounces of it just unleashed on the carpeted floor of the van. Uh, frustrating moments. There were a lot of those, but. Yeah, no, I think that though it was it was your own delusion can be your it really can be your biggest ally is the sense that it gives you the like <clears throat> feeling that you are successful when you're not and when you believe you're successful, I think that's contagious for other people to think you're successful. People buy it. Yeah. Look at the Kardashians. For sure. They don't they haven't actually produced anything for people to consume. Right. They just are just people are. that insist that they're successful. Yeah, you buy your own bullshit. Donald Trump. Right. You just say you're successful over and over, and people are like, I got to get on board, because apparently he's successful. Yeah. I think, and were you ever recognized? (laughs) I just thought about this. Did anybody ever call you out in public, a stranger, say, hey, you're the guitarist from Speak of the South? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. People, like, they, they believed it. In Warsaw, in our small market of Warsaw. Yeah. And one other city, Columbia City. Right. And that's... We got recognized. Again, though, again, though, I would still feel that <clears throat> shame when someone would be like, oh, dude, you're in Speak of the South. Like, dude. It was always some, like, freshman in high school. Right. Who's like, dude, we're like, dude, it's so cool, man. Can you, like, sign my Trapper Keeper? And, like, <laughs> yeah. and in my head, I always had that. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm too cool, but I always had that in my head. I'm like, oh, buddy, like this is, 
this is embarrassing for me. I would hate to be the person. I like. I want to seem like I'm not enjoying this as much as possible. I just try to be. I try to say, oh, like thank you. I'm not signing anything. Oh no I, way! No, I would oh, we not, are different. No, I would not. Um, I would not really soak in that moment. See, I would try I, to get out of it. To me, because again, this is Dan Remington at. 20 years old, the guy that's dreaming of becoming a famous musician. Yeah, you have the delusion. So these were like these little glimmers of like, we're doing it. We yeah. are on our way. People know who we are. They think about us in their free time. Right. And they are looking forward to us being on whatever, warp Tour or whatever. They just, they're just down with whatever. Yeah. You, We've, dude, I had, I did, I had a sense of humility that I think respect. you didn't have. It sounds like I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I which know. I mean, you're my best friend, so I can. Yeah, you I don't think care. I'm... But like, I think it's awesome. <clears throat> I love how, and I wanted to do this podcast mainly because I loved how honest you were about your own, like, the, how your insecurities manifested itself in this way, where it's so easy for you to get this huge head. Yeah, and without really, <clears throat> without, yeah, it's hard. But it, we, you did. We did. We worked hard, too. So it's like right. we did. We oh, put forth I, a lot of effort. In the so the last year that we were a band, when we were playing shows, yeah, it was like nearly every weekend we were playing a lot of shows, and yeah. I was putting hours and hours and hours and hours every week into it. And we get those. We had enough uh, like followers or whatever on MySpace. Yeah. We were getting hit up to be on those like sampler albums and things, right? So I was always on these like business phone calls. With these yeah. salesmen that were like, if you pay us four hundred dollars, we will put you on a CD. It was just the most ridiculous thing, right? Um, but I was—I mean, the band was like my side job. Yeah. I was passionate about it, and at that point, it felt—it um, was really about the passion of like, I—I want to play more places. I want more people to find out about our music because I think what we're doing is really cool, and people will like it. I still had not really accepted that our music wasn't good, even after that show with the bands that were oh, much better than sure. us. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, because, yeah, I guess still I was just a little delusional, um, just thinking that we were the best thing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, I uh, I feel you, dude. I, I think that... I had that. I think there was, it was a very small percentage of me actually thought that we had any chance of success, but I don't know. And I, I kind of want to get into, um, one thing I want to talk about is this is something I found out later. Um, we, so we were a Christian band in a, like on our MySpace. We were uh, yeah by label by label <laughs> right. like we were you know I mean we'd go to we'd go to church and we like played on the worship team at our school but we weren't we weren't spiritual guys you know I wasn't I don't we just I we were not like the traditional like the Christian it was it was a big thing to be like a Christian hardcore band at the time yeah it was very which easy meant to that, be. like a lot of your lyrics were evangelical in nature and you were talking in between your songs. About trying God. to convince yes. people to become Christians, and that was not something I can remember. My mom calling me out on that. Really? She was like, well, you're a Christian hardcore band. What does that mean? What are you doing? That's Christian. Yeah. And I was like, don't worry about it, mom. Yeah. And that was the end of it. Uh, 
I think for me, it was just the accessibility <clears throat> that we got for doing shows and and um, compliance to like let us be places and do shows at places because we were a Christian band. But in my head, it was like I, I was I was like we I have no idea what we're doing. But I'm not a super Christian. I mean, I you know I, I believe in stuff even now. I mean, it was just kind of like this isn't. I'm not evangelical. I'm not a a, a you know proselytizing yeah i'm not that's not who i am and i also knew the band was half guys that they were atheists (laughs) yeah yeah that were just that were yeah and so it was just (laughs) like not even yeah they were not even just lazy christians right they were anti-christianity right and they were in this band that was called a christian hardcore oh my gosh yeah that was the most insane thing when we had to go we had to play at that show and they asked us beforehand they said hey every band they need to say something about jesus and we didn't normally say stuff about Jesus. And so I look at our front man, <laughs> who is atheist. Who, yeah, does not, never did, never will. And I, yeah. I can still see the look in his face. He was just so panicked. Oh, my gosh. He was like, damn, dude, can you, can you say something? I don't want to say anything. Wait, was this on stage? No, no, this was, so they told us beforehand. Yeah. At that, like, meeting we had. And they said, yeah, this is an expectation of this venue that you say something about Jesus. And so he panicked (laughs) and I did. It was fine. Dude. Yeah. And that it was funny. So (laughs) we got this. We did get this show. It's funny. I call it a show, but it was a Wednesday night. It was a youth group. It was like a youth. It was called the Buffalo Bowl. It was some sort of like multi youth group. Um, like it was an outreach thing. It was right after a football game at the high school. That was what the idea was. Yeah. So it wasn't really a church event. It was supposed to just be this event that would bring in the unchurched, I suppose. Right. Hosted by a church. Correct. And we played and it was, you know, it was really like nice. It was really great setup and it was, you know, again, people bowed down and watched us play music and we were into it. It felt good. Yeah. And so we played, and we whatever we left, and I then found out late. I mean, this was probably years later, but that there was. I was very oblivious. I feel like you were kind of the eyes and ears of the band, so I was pretty yep. oblivious. But I heard from you later that there was an assumption from the youth pastor at that church that we should have stayed and hung out and cleaned up after, like <clears throat> we were, like we were youth leaders at that church, like we were kind of like ministers and we should have been a part of that but yeah, rather and said something on stage and oh really taking more time to kind of uh intentionally talk to the people that came but we were we were being rock stars yeah, we showed bailed. up and played um slapped some high fives sold some t-shirts and got in the van and drove away right yeah and they were disappointed that we they we did not meet their expectations of what they wanted from the yeah. Christian band speak of the South. Yeah. We had kind of stumbled into a thing that we weren't ready for that. We were never, we never should have been there. Right. Yeah. We were not like, we weren't uh missionaries, man. And it, it was funny to me cause it was this like to hear what their expectation was of us and me thinking back on what we, who we were. I was like, that's so funny. Cause we were like, we would have been like, no, we're not, we're, we're the, yeah. we're the talent dude. Later. Yeah, but I'm gonna go. I mean, so I have to say, some people 
saw it as like a ministry. I think deep down they that was like their goal. They wanted it to be that way. Who? Zach. Yeah, yeah Zach Hollinger, been on the podcast. Let's yeah. do this podcast. Yeah. And I think that I I kind of had these like half fledged out like oh yeah I because we're like a Christian band that's probably something we should be doing it was kind of it was frankly just kind of laziness I understood that that was like probably maybe an expectation from time to time but it was laziness and I didn't want to make people uncomfortable and so we just kind of got into a routine where we never talked about it and we didn't really address the fact that we were called a Christian band absolutely and never talked about it letting in people that were atheists into our band because it just didn't we it didn't matter we were just like "Ah, I don't know whatever I don't Um, even know what our lyrics are. I don't want to talk about it. You know, I was completely oblivious <clears throat> or like I had no, I had no idea. I remember the lyric, your kiss put life into me. Yeah. <laughs> not Gave Christian. me the strength to go on. Not no, about that's God. Not, there's nothing yeah. Christian about that. Um, that song was tight. Though. Nothing. If not there the, was uh, anything tight about our music, it was that chorus <laughs> and the following breakdown. Man, I haven't said that word in a while. Breakdown. Um, so yeah, and that actually happened one other time. That first show that we played, uh, the guy that kind of gave us the opportunity also wasn't very excited about the fact that we the same thing that we like didn't stick around, that we weren't intentionally talking to people, and that we didn't talk about God from the stage. That first Super Bowl halftime show that we played, yeah, it was the same thing. We were very like rock star minded. We were ready to just be idols, yeah. And we uh, squandered in other people's eyes, squandered this opportunity to uh, make it a ministry um, because we yeah. were. I mean, it, because mainly me, I was often the voice of the band from the stage, and right. I was just self centered, and I, I wasn't really concerned with that right and we used it rather than an opportunity to bring people to the lord we used it as an opportunity to sell garbage from our lockers and sign it and to bring to bring people to ourselves yeah yeah it yeah no it's funny now because it's there's like i mean who i am now i don't feel any guilt towards that it was just like yeah i was an idiot you know but it's funny it's more just funny to me it's just like oh i i'm sure to those people we like deeply disappointed them but to me now i'm just like oh yeah we're just being kids we were like we were just yeah selfish kids and we were 19 18 19 <laughs> it's it, it's funny to me i'm not like oh man we could have brought people to the lord because i'm not that's just not who i am but yeah it, it's just interesting to think about the disappointment that people had in us and how oblivious to the fact that people were so disappointed in how we behaved ourselves. Yeah. I eventually became very aware of that because I was basically like confronted about it. Yeah, and, you were. And there was the like voice. this, yeah. I was the voice of the yeah. band and I was the face and there were like several people in town like that represented venues um, that like we had kind of destroyed that relationship right over time because we had consistently failed at being a ministry but have been really good at making it all about ourselves right and it just kind of uh like crumbled so we changed venues we started playing at a different place mm-hmm. um because Again, we church. wanted to continue making it about ourselves and not about uh yeah you know, christianity or whatever yeah, I guess to like take a step out for a second though, I think now it really what it taught me was to be comfortable with my own motivations for being a performer. You know, 
Because to be a to be like an evangelical minister from behind a guitar is not something I'm going to do. You don't but feel it, particularly passionate about. No, yeah. so I'm self aware that the fact is I want to get on stage because I'm I get validation from it. I get I like it. I think it's fun to be heard. I want to be heard. I want. I think it's exciting. And it's just, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with, it's not like I felt this tremendous guilt of what I, what I, what we were in Speak of the South. It was just, oh, I just know what my motivation is for wanting to be a performer. Yeah. And it's not pure, but that's okay. It's okay, but I'm aware. I'm not trying to say it's for God anymore. I'm trying to say, oh, this is just who I am. I like to perform. And it's like, I'm not, like, because we come from a Christian world, I'm not using my talents for the Lord. Yeah. And most people aren't, but I'm a, I'm I'm gonna tell you I'm not, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah, I was I was definitely not living the examined life. Uh, I might still not be. I'm, I don't no, know. No, this is hindsight, obviously. <laughs> right. Like, this is who I am uh, now. But yeah, but I we I hadn't really taken any time to think about well, why did we put that label on the band, and and why isn't that something that we uh, see as a valuable principle at our shows. And it just kind of over time, it's it all started to minorly unravel um, yeah. in this very like behind the music kind of way. Except right. we were a terrible band that didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but I can remember a specific instance where, like Travis and I both, we liked Travis the attention. Is the lead singer in the Travis band. is the lead singer of the band. Yeah. Atheist uh, too. Yeah, I'm yeah. the drummer, and we both very much enjoyed the attention we would get from girls at these shows. And um, that was over time. That became a conflict. Uh, How so? Because I was not involved in this, and I. It. Uh, I mean, it was just we would um, like go off and and I don't know, kind of like leave the venue with these girls and like go spend time with them, and um, it. It was very clearly like this. It, I think it was um, to the other members of the band. Like it was Zach. I guess we can just say. Yeah. They like wasn't down with it. And it was just very. It was like thrust right into the spotlight. Our um, egocentrism. Our like this is about attention. Yeah. And if it's from a member of the opposite sex, even better. Right. So um, that was in that moment where it started there started to be this rift where Zach was like, wait, what is this about? Like, what are we doing? Wait, so the tension seem... wasn't between you and Travis. It was between you and no. Zach, the guy. Yeah. Travis and I were both like, yeah, sweet oh, girls, yeah, like, yeah, girls right. like us. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. go hang out with them. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and like enjoy this attention we're receiving. And Zach was like, hold up. Like this is a, um, this is a side thing. This isn't something that should be tied in with what the band's doing. Right. Um, or the reputation that the band has. Cause this is like when we were touring, we like went on this little mini tour Yeah. and it was like in towns that we weren't from and the, we're going to leave the next day. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, that was when like these tensions started to like come to the surface and, um, and it helped me in a way kind of analyze, well, why I, I don't think I'm doing this for like the reasons I thought I was. Right. Um, I don't think it's about the rock and roll. It's about like the rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah. It sounds so lame for me to say. Because no, we were I not mean, rock a, and roll yeah, stars. On a very, but very just, small scale. Yeah, it is. And this self indulgent. Yeah. Like, sure. um, I don't know. It's that idea of like cashing in before 
Oh yeah. You've like put the work in to cash yeah, in. Yeah, you want to yeah. I was ready to cash in on the benefits of success without doing any work to be successful. Right. So the bare minimum of any oh, sort of Yeah. But if cash. people were willing to think I was successful and like yell at me in a parking lot because they recognize me from the band. I was like, all right, I'm cashing in. I'm, I'm like yes. cashing out my chips. I've made it as a very small time musician. Yeah, just fully indulging <clears throat> on whatever benefit there is. And yeah, yeah, I know. I know that feeling. But yeah, like you said, though, it's you. Yeah, you come to that realization that not only are your motivations not for the music, they're not for further, not evangelical like opportunities it's just myself it's just like i just love people knowing who i am and thinking i'm great and yeah Yeah. and i think that's and also another thing that's kind of interesting to that fact is uh zach hollinger who's been on the podcast really great guy really like a kind sweetie yeah um he was right by the way (laughs) oh absolutely no one's yeah you're the piece of shit in the situation i was in the wrong Yeah. yeah uh but it was okay it's it was guys i don't really mind that your behavior is kind of non-intentional about being a christian that's fine like i can tolerate this but then at some point your your you become like sinning you delve into the world of like sin now you right. know, where it's like, whoa, this is getting dark. So now it's like, okay, yeah. you can be neutral, but you cannot go this far. We're leaving a wake of sin on our on our tour yes. for a Christian band. Right. There's like a wake of sin behind us. Exactly. And that's yeah. where it's like, that's when it's where he just drew the line. Yeah. So this is good because we're, we're um, picking up to kind of the arc of this story and yeah and the eventual uh spoiler alert the band doesn't work out we are you haven't, not successful. You haven't heard of it still no, yeah so we it's are, not a thing we're just dudes with jobs <laughs> right we're just now dudes we are, that work yeah. jobs and yeah uh it didn't it didn't pan out but uh so this is these are kind of all the things that are happening as we're we're playing more and more often um we're starting to get like offers for different things we're having to kind of analyze are these things we want are these things we don't want um, where are we wanting to go with this? And we, I don't know about you, but I had kind of given it this ultimatum. Like the band needed to be more successful by a certain point. And if I saw some sort of sign that we were ready to like really do this full time, then I was going to quit my job at Applebee's. Yeah. And we were going to just go on tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, and if it didn't work out, if we like didn't get a sign that it was going to be good, we had both kind of um, signed up for a school in Germany that was yeah. going to take us far away, and we were going to be done with the band. Had you had you done that kind of ultimatum thing in your head? Um, I was. I would say I was checked out already. You were I ready for the band to be done. I never. I mean, sure, like had <laughs> this. This was Cornerstone Music Festival. It's a festival yeah, we were going to the summer of two thousand nine. Right. Uh, we like spring rented. and summer we were like building up there's yeah. tension growing about who we are as a band and we're playing a lot of shows and um, I'm getting offers continually for whatever um, be on this album or right. come do great. this tour no yeah. they, no 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 nothing great again nothing cool nothing good right I'd um, already to answer your question I've already given up I was like <clears throat> okay. I'm just kind of going through the motions for, for the guys and okay. to have a good interesting time. okay and I also had very I had very low expectations for cornerstone because i'd been before and oh, i kind of smelled a rat okay 
So, so I have a different story. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> um, from my perspective, Cornerstone Festival, um, it was this big hardcore festival out in Illinois. Um, it was like the Christian Woodstock is what people called it. Uh, yeah. Because it was mainly Christian bands. And uh, it was out in this field and everybody camped for the week and watched all these bands. And so we got this offer. We did have to pay money, as you have to say. So it's not that cool of an offer when you have to pay money to do it. Yeah. Uh, but we got an offer to be on the Encore 2 stage, which was like their third largest stage of the festival. Right. And that seemed like a huge deal. It's I mean, very bands big. that we listened to yeah. in our spare time were playing on the same stage later mm-hmm. that day. <clears throat> so we kind of got all that set up. Meanwhile, we were writing music, and I thought it was really good. I thought, like, we've reached it now. Right. We're writing really good music. We're going to go to Cornerstone Festival. There's this huge market there of thousands of people. I was just, I had this image in my mind of being up on the stage and just, like, a sea of people all discovering us for the first time together right. and deciding they were all going to start listening to us and buying our albums and tell Ooh, all the friends man. about it back. Your vision was very different than yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... And this was, people would come from all over the country to come to this. Right. And so I really saw this, this is our moment. If it goes well. I knew that there was a possibility it would not go well. So it was make or break. I had also been before. I think that had something to do with our different visions. I had not been. Yeah. So I I knew kind of what three in the afternoon looks like on the Encore 2 stage. (laughs) Yeah. Which looks very different from From 9 o'clock at night. 9 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I just figured there would be enough people standing around in a field that they would just come, like they have to come yeah. watch us and check us out. I mean, right. this is under a, like a circus tent. It was a huge venue. Right. The speakers on either side of the stage were way taller than us. Yeah. Like, it was the biggest stage we had ever played on. Yeah. And um, so it was, it really had gotten that built up in my head. I would booked some shows kind of surrounding it to help us fund the trip out there. That felt really cool. Our admission was covered by getting on the stage. My parents came out. That I forgot. Now I remember. Now it's even more sad. Yeah. It's a bummer. I forgot about that. (laughs) It was awesome. So they came all the way out um, to come see us play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if they camped or what they did, but uh, so they, yeah, they, they come out and... We played one of those. They used to have like generator stages. Yeah. It was like along the main walkway of the festival. There would be all these generator stages where just nobody's like us would plug in and like play some songs and try to get people into it. Right. And we had maybe like 15 or 20 people turn out to that. Like they would just stop by as they were walking by to watch us. And I think by this point I was starting to get a little burnt out and realizing, man, the world is much bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, um, it's a very large pool. We, yeah, we're trying to get people's attention when there are um, literally a hundred bands also trying to get their attention. Right. And even though we were going to be playing on a big stage, it was just starting, I was starting to realize this might not go that well. Oh, this was pre the main stage we paid yeah, to play. Okay, right. yeah. I hardly remember it. Yeah. So yeah, the day comes and uh, we load on to the big stage, the Encore 2 stage, um, are looking out over this big field under this huge tent. Yeah. We're like sound checking all of our stuff. And it's so ridiculous looking back that amateurs like us were up on, I mean, they're like taking up this sound engineer's time right. <laughs> with our terrible instruments. 
but yeah. whatever we were doing it and yeah. um and yeah so the time came i think we ended up starting like five or ten minutes late i just i just wanted more people to come and yeah. uh nobody came we were in a tent that could have probably held two thousand people yeah probably and there were maybe 10 people two yeah. of which were my mother and my father yeah it was bleak it was real bleak um and that that was that was kind of the moment where it was like we have been propped up on this false market of a small town where nobody has anything to do right. so they come out to our shows and they think we're gods yeah and then we started getting these little uh, brushes with actual success and actual skill and it was starting to show that maybe we didn't have what it takes and then we got to this thing we were not ready I mean I think the show went okay we were by then we were pretty good we had played the songs a lot so nothing went wrong but people just didn't know who we were and they didn't care right because we just the market it was too big and we weren't good enough to catch people's attention yeah, that was that was the thing, man. It was and that was a lesson I don't know. I've learned from just in entertainment in general, like that moment is you need you need a fan base. You need to understand, which was cool, and you need to understand where your fan base is. Our fan base was in Warsaw, Indiana and in Columbia City, Indiana, <clears throat> in a few towns around. In like so, Norton, Ohio. Yeah, and yeah. that's where we can make money. That's where it's like, okay, we can make money in understanding this is people will not go see someone they don't know. There are so yeah. much talent out there that if you people if you do not have this fan base, people don't care about you. So it's 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 the understanding you can't just play a show and be like, Oh, we're gonna play a show here and people Everyone's will be come. there. Like, who are these people? <laughs> who yeah. are they? Who are you yeah. expecting to come out and see you? Yeah. A nobody. Yeah. So it was a lesson to me to understand you need reach, you need influence, you need to have people. It's the business mind. You need to understand like, oh, we're gonna play a show in Norton, Ohio, why? Because people in Norton, Ohio know Speak of the South. Yeah. There are people that want a Speak of the South show there. Yeah, people they will pay admission exactly. to come see us. And that was clear to me, it's just like, oh, there's not, there's no reason for anyone to care about you because there's a million other bands just like you that are way more talented. Yeah. And those even more talented bands are playing at two in the afternoon and they're not getting anyone. Yeah. So who are you? Right. Nobody. Yeah. Stop playing music. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was, that was the break moment and it was compounded by it. Then it started pouring down rain the next day. All of our stuff got disgusting like all of our temp- yeah, it was bad. camping equipment and things and took a shower at a truck stop yeah we pack it all up because we still had that was our break moment we were broken i mean that was, it was i over. It, my spirits were like we i mean we tried we put in an effort but it's done i was relieved uh it didn't work out <laughs> i never relieved. had any hope dan uh, you, that yeah, was, it was it's funny like yeah it's funny now because it's it's interesting. It was always interesting to hear you talk about it later, which is funny. We never really communicated about it, but like for some reason, we were just joking about butts or farts. Yeah, or dumb stuff. Anything butt related. Yeah, still very funny. Yeah, um, butts are hilarious. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was very funny <laughs> hear you after say uh, the talk about that moment for you because in my head I never had the faith. It was more of just like a fun thing to do and kind of invest in and 
maybe it would do something. I didn't, you know, and I definitely wouldn't have done it had I not felt like it did have potential. But when we got done with that show, it was just kind of like I'd already given up way before. I'd always, I'd just kind of, if there was some sort of last ditch you know, some scout was like, you guys, you got the talent. Sign right here and make a million dollars, which I knew was impossible, but I was like, yeah. eh, who knows, man? Yeah. Weird stuff sure. happens. It was it was very unlikely to me. It was more just like a relief of like, So you were glad to have it done, but we weren't done. That was the thing. Oh, this is great. The this show, is, okay. So yeah. we had booked a show on the way back to help pay for gas. It was a long way out there. Right. And uh, <clears throat> it was in Star City, Indiana, a yeah. city where we did not have a city. I don't know. How can you throw around the word city? This is, it was yeah. not even a town. Um, it was a collection of settlements in the middle of a cornfield. Google it. Google Star City, Indiana. Google Star City. Um, so I don't even know how we found it, but somehow uh, we yeah, found it know. through some people that we knew. And they said they would pay us. I think it was like 75 bucks, but whatever. That was going to fill the gas tank. And we were going to get home. Uh and it was not a town where we had a market because no one lived there. There, there was yeah. no market to be had. And but it was just I mean, if somebody says they're going to pay 75 bucks then cool. <clears throat> right. We'll, we'll play some jams. Um, so we drive through the night, take a shower at a truck stop, um, park in this parking lot outside of the venue. And we just wait there all day. Um, there's nothing even around to do. And we were low on gas. Um, yeah, we were, we hung out. It, we really, we got there at 6 a.m. in Star City, Indiana, tired. We had nowhere to sleep, really. We're in the right. van. Yeah. So we're all, we're all hallucinating. Yeah, we're so And tired. we have a day to spend in this park and just burning time until the show starts. And it's hot, humid. It's very hot. It's one hot. of those miserable Indiana summer days. Still, though, that day, we went and we ate a Star City omelet. <laughs> yeah, there's a little diner. diner down the street. Like, it was <clears throat> very miserable. Yeah. It was it was a miserable day, but still, it was like misery with your buddies. Yeah. Which was, it was a great way to end. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, it was, it was memorable. Um, so, so yeah, basically the, the time comes for the show, even like the promoter, the person running the venue shows up kind of late Yeah, because check-in was supposed to be at like six, maybe the show was at seven and he comes at like six 30, the show's starting in 30 minutes yeah. and nobody's even been inside yet. Right. And it becomes clear really quickly that no one even knows this is happening. We would, you would run into this occasionally when you, when you like play enough shows Promoters have to like pull their weight. We didn't have any sort of guarantee. We didn't have a lawyer that drew up a document for us. So there wasn't right. any. They would say they'd pay us money, and sometimes they just wouldn't because they'd be like, oh, "Hey, people didn't show up." Yeah, if the way I remember it, the way I remember it, it was you have like, we you could we could we might be able to give you some money depending on turnout. Oh, okay. I remember there being some sort of clause. And oh, it being I like, didn't think so. I thought it was like uh, like we'll we'll be paying you this amount most likely. Or maybe, something like that. but I, I also know. remember there were there was a large percentage of the band that just wanted to say, "Peace, let's quit the band forever and not play this last show." But then there was... Oh, I forgot about that. Ryan, our bass player, was a purist. And there was no way yeah. he was not playing a show. That guy... 
That guy was that a true a musician. He yeah. didn't care about he did not anybody. Care about anything. He didn't care about like girls loving our music. No. or signing shirts. He wouldn't even do it. No, he we, loved, we would yeah. sign stuff all the time because people yeah. would always ask because we tried to tell them that we were gods. Yeah, we were. We but he wouldn't we, do it. We were into it, but he was like he was just loved playing bass, loved writing music, loved to go to practice. Yeah. So for him, this show, we were not blowing it off. No, and, because he just wanted to play. He just wanted to. I right. remember he almost said that. Exactly exact sentence yeah he's like i just want to play yeah. we should just play let's just let's just jam yeah which to us we're like i want to just i want to go home and like lay out. in a bed I'm so tired i'm gonna go to my party we were dirty still even after yeah the truck still sweaty at least you know yeah but yeah dude i remember just asking and we asked like hey can we get some cash for gas because nobody had any money we had money but it was we didn't want to spend what right. little it was just our yeah, personal I really money. Didn't even have any money at the time. Yeah, we were broke, and they were like, "Oh, there's no money. Sorry, guys, no one came to the show." And we're like, "Nobody came." We were so we played. Did we headline? No, we just told them we were like. I remember we said, "Hey, can we go first? We just want to play and get out of here." <laughs> yeah. They're like, "Yeah, it's fine." So we yeah, just played right. in this like it was like a garage. It was like a work garage. It was yeah, like it was a, a mechanic place. garage. Yeah. It was just, and I remember just phoning it in, just like, "All right, this is it." Yeah. I wore like. I was wearing like basketball shorts and like a t-shirt that I'd slept in. Yeah. Just completely like we are done. I want to just get this over with and I want to like yeah. be dead to music. And there were the only, I mean, there were maybe 10 people in there and they were from other bands that were going to play later. Right. I mean, we were just playing to each other. Yeah. And it was, it was everything. It was, it was a good note to end on because it was everything we hated about. We hated those shows right. where you were just playing to other bands. Right. And we hated getting like stiffed on money and just all that stuff that sucked about being a very small town band. Right. Uh, they all culminated in that one event in that hot, nasty venue. And then we just packed up our stuff. We got in the van. And we drove straight home. And we never, we never played again. Yeah. That was the end. Yeah. And we just kind of went our separate ways. And yeah. After two years of rock and roll, signing yeah. t-shirts and uh, traveling around in a van. Yeah. Playing terrible music. But that was... It. But yeah, ultimately, we were so much better for it. Yeah. Just like, holy smokes, man. I think... Even the business, like talking about that like business aspect of it, it was just kind of like, oh, you stumbled upon running a business. You way more than me, but it was just, yeah. it was like, oh, you made something. We were kids. Nobody let us do anything. We were just living at our parents' house, like being told what to do at school all the time and or going to college, like just kind of. But then all of a sudden, it, it was this, we had a life outside of, we had a life outside of school. We had a life outside of everything else. It's Soccer like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we're, oh, this is like, we're a, we're businessmen. We have connections. We have a network of people yeah. and we organize things and make. People give us money in yeah. exchange for things that we just made up. Yeah, man. That's what's yeah. cool. It's just like, it was that realization. We made something, man. <clears throat> we made CDs. We made shirts. We made events. A we, brand. We made a brand. And that's at 20, 19, 18, whatever we were. Like during that time, it we made it. We didn't even try to make it, and it just kind of happened. Yeah. And still, like obviously, we just we we spoke about the bad times a lot, but there were a lot of good times. 
there were, I'm very proud of a lot of those shows where people came out. We had like 200 people at a yeah. show at the Turning Point, the first uh, venue we had. And people really had fun. And we, we really, it was a cool thing in the town that didn't exist. Well, I mean, in some capacity it did. But a few years prior it had. Right. And then it stopped. And then we brought it back. Yeah, that what we did wouldn't have existed otherwise. And then it stopped existing when we stopped doing it. Yeah. I think there's something there where it's, it, I don't know, I really think it's cool. It's like, look, you did something and people missed it. Yeah, I definitely, I would not trade the experience. Um, I think, I, I mean, I had several takeaways, um, some of which were just uh, how interesting it was that I had kind of stumbled into what essentially was because I was passionate about right. it, and it's funny when you read books about like success in business or whatever, and all these principles of how to do it. Yeah, it's almost like they're written for a person that's just doing it to be successful and to get money, um, and not about like the product itself. And so all these principles of success are forced. You just learn the principles and apply them because it's something you learned, and you're just trying to do it for some product like a. Right. I don't know, a shoelace or something mm-hmm. just to sh- sell the shoelace, but you don't care about the shoelace. Right. But we, I mean, I, I cared mainly about, about getting popular, but I cared about the music. I thought it was cool. I liked playing shows. Right. I cared about like getting people out on a Friday night to come see us. And so these principles of like how to build something successfully, how to build collaborative relationships, how to like get good marketing material, um, that stuff just came naturally because we were passionate about it. So we were just producing it because it was the logical next step all the time. It was right. Like, how do we make this better? Because we're passionate about it. We live and breathe it. We think about it in our sleep. Right. Uh, so that was the one lesson. Um, so when you're really passionate about something, a lot of these things can come pretty naturally because you're just wanting to grow the idea. And so you do whatever is the logical next step, which is typically probably in a book somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, the fact that it a lot of times it's just your instinct, like your natural right. compulsion to say, "What can I? Oh, I'm I want to do a show. Right. What can I do to get people to go to the show?" Right. Your natural compulsion is to make a friend with a kid that's in high school, tell him to pass these flyers out at his high school. Right. See if you can find someone that's on the you know whatever that high school news network is. Sure. And get them to plug it. That right. natural, like, well, this is what I can do. I can talk to people. And, yeah. yeah, a lot of times the answers are in you. You don't necessarily need a book because your natural um, yeah. inclination is probably pretty good. Well, right. And, like, how do we do How do we do we shows out of town? Well, um, here's a nice small town. Uh, we know this band from that town. So you email them and you say, hey, what cool venues are there there? Yeah. And they say this. And we know the promoter. Right. And you say, cool. If you help us get a show there. We'll give you a show here. Yeah, that was good. We had reciprocity, man. Yeah, scratching. Each it was a collaborative back. relationship. Yeah, it was like you give us this, we'll give you that. But and you we had did no that idea. A bunch. That was most of our shows were these trade offs. Yeah, you knew um, what you had to offer another person, another band. Right. That was say. it. Yeah. And that's it's funny because that's I'm sure that's in a book. It's probably what collaborative relationships. Yeah. Like it's in a book somewhere, but your natural inclination is to say, "What do I have to offer this band?" In yeah, like. Marion, Indiana. So that we can eventually get what we want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. It's really cool to think about. Wow. I was, I would, oh, mainly you. I'll give you the credit. But I was like, Dan, I, we, I mentioned you in the last podcast, by the way, and doing this stuff. But I was like, oh, Dan was like a 
19 year old businessman who's like pretty good at it man so yeah i mean if i ever run a business again hopefully it goes a little bit better and makes a little more money you're wiser now but but i guess even if even if a business is just paying my gas in my taco bell yeah then that's success your wife's gonna be very unhappy (laughs) yeah she hates taco bell yeah (laughs) uh uh the other the other takeaway um is the more obvious one and it's um just try the thing yeah i am really glad because i th- i think that always would have been stuck in my brain like you know what i should have done i should have like tried to be in a band i should yeah. have tried to play music and tour around and like get people to get into my music um and get together with a group of dudes and like find some jams that we can write um, yeah and so I did it. I can like rest pretty comfortably in the fact that I tried. I put in, I gave it the old college try. Absolutely. And it, um, it didn't go well. But I I have like found peace in that uh, because we we did it. We, we went all in, except for right. quitting our jobs and touring around. That would have been the real all in. But we had seen the signs. We and did it wasn't to going to go was well. That was a bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is valid. So, totally. That would, I mean, we would have regretted doing that. I would have. Yeah, I don't know how many young high schoolers you have listening to this, but uh, thousands. Yeah, uh, just try it. Yeah. If there's a thing that you've always thought, man, it'd be really cool to do. It'd be cool to get up on stage and do comedy, or um, to play music and write stuff, and even if it's just like sing at a coffee shop. Those opportunities are out there everywhere. Yeah. People have stage time to fill all over the place. Yeah. And all you have to do is stick your neck out and try it. Maybe it will go terribly. Um, but I think that's so much better than turning 40 and having a couple kids in the back of a minivan and like seeing a high school band drive by in their parents' van with all the equipment in the back. Right. Filming some stupid update video about how coffee spilled on the carpet and thinking, I like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I try that? What are, what's the risk? There's no risk. Yeah. There's really no risk. And ultimately sometimes the goal is not even success. Sometimes the goal is just to have the experience. Yeah. Check a check a box. Yeah. Cause I'm happy with where I am. I don't know if I would have been happy had we been successful, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm way better for having had that experience and for all the failures. Right. You feel more rested in where you are now because you've yeah. you've tried things, you've had a variety of experiences. There's no what if. Yeah. There's no right. like well, what if I would have done that? Like, oh yeah, I did and I failed. Eliminate the what if. Eliminate it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh yeah, I will say maybe this is too off the topic, but that sort of what if, I think a lot of people like to live in the space of what if. What if? Oh, it would have gone super well I would have done so well so they love to live in that headspace of I'm glad I never tried because I have this sort of mental image of me if I had tried I would have been very successful yeah and I love fantasizing about my successful career in music but for us we can't fantasize about that because we tried to make it a reality and it was not which is awesome yep I never think about being a performer yeah. You know why? Because I did try. It didn't go well. And it didn't. And I know what that like I know what that road would have been like. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was good for my ego too. I needed to get 
knocked a few rungs down. Hell yeah. Uh, nobody likes somebody that's just existing in the hopes that you'll think about them later. <laughs> you know? It's a bad place to be. Uh, it's a bad place to be, and it's not a good place to live. I mean, you're you're thinking entirely about what other people think of you all the time. Right. Um, and that was a good place to get to to realize nobody cares about me but my mom. Right. Uh, and not my wife. I think she would right. say that she does. I think my brother cares about me. Yeah. I think you kind of care. Yeah. Should we should we go and just list all the people we can think of? I'm that done. Care about That's us? it. Oh, you're done. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad, he's got a little something there for me. He's into it, maybe. Yeah. All right. That's it. You got any more? It's a short list is the point. Um, but I think my grandparents. Interesting. I think they think about me. They, I know they do because they text me. Yeah, my grandpa prays for me every day. See, he's thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah, that's he cares about you. So if you're before you, yeah, that's, it, yeah, it's humility. It's the realization when you come down and you say, I can do whatever I want because no one cares. No, no one, one cares about, about me. No one cares about Dan Remington. Yeah. No one's thinking, I wonder what Dan Remington's doing now. Right. It's like, no, he's probably just out there like working a job, probably got a wife doing yeah, a thing. Probably got like three kids. Yeah. They don't know. They don't right. care, ultimately. No, they don't care. Because it doesn't affect them. It doesn't affect and them. And they're not me. Yeah. Exactly. And it's freeing to think, I can do whatever I want, because it doesn't matter what anyone thinks of me. Yeah. Except for those three or four people that really give a shit about me. Yeah. I'm on my way. I'm getting there. But the band was good. It was a great experience. I would not trade, because it really did. It was like, hey, Dan, you don't matter. Yeah. Nobody cares. They only thought they cared because you were telling them they should care. And now yeah. like the the illusion has been broken. The smoke and mirrors have been cleared away. And you're just a dude that's not even very good at drums. Yeah. So go back to working at Applebee's. Yeah. And so I did. Right. It's a lesson, it's a lesson in humility as well as a lesson in marketing. You know, <laughs> it's it is. both. We did good at marketing, uh, but we, yeah, still didn't go well. Yeah, but no, it's, I, it's, it's, yeah, those, uh, those lessons in humility really make you who you are and make you a better person, make you more tolerable to be around, make you more fun to be around. I think you're a fun guy because you're humble. I think you recognize your flaws. You, you're willing to talk about your mistakes and, you being a pompous <laughs> asshole in a band for two years <laughs> hey, yeah. and being willing yeah. to look back on it and say, isn't Garbage this funny? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's fun, man. I had a really fun time doing this podcast, you know, just talking about how dumb we were. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, man. Well, you got any, uh, any other things to say on the topic or you feel good? No, that's it. Covered it all. All right. Tell us about your Instagram dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I know it seems like a lot of things in my life aren't very successful, but this one um, obviously is the one thing I'm doing very well and I get a lot of notoriety for. How many get followers do you have? Uh, I'd have to check. I haven't checked this morning. Um, it's always growing, but if I would say like 10,000. Oh, wow. In that range, yeah. Um, check it out. See so if Dan's right. It's very successful uh, yeah. and it's going very well and people really, really care and they think about me in their free time. Uh, it's, I do. It's called Litter of Highland Park. I live on a park called Highland Park in Indianapolis. And I started picking up litter there because 
it actually really does sincerely drive me nuts. And uh, I started to find funny stuff, so I take pictures of it uh, and share it. And uh, people like it. Yeah. People think about me. People care about me. Yeah, I was going to say, if you follow him, be prepared to spend a lot of your free mental time thinking thinking about about Dan. I'm not a nobody. I'm a somebody to you. Care about me, even if you're not my grandpa. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. So there's like some, it's a lot of like object-based humor. It's very dad jokey. I need to get away from that. I need to switch it up, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's good. It's a good voice. Thanks, man. Yeah, check it out. Maybe like a little punny. Yeah. Yeah. It's forgivable. Litter of Highland Park. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Follow the anecdotal experience on uh, Instagram. We have one. Yeah. Like it's every uh, 10 days you share a picture of your cat. Yeah. Well, it's a podcast. Or like man. your toenail yeah. or your tattoo. Did I have a toenail? Oh, yeah, I don't know. That, that sounds like guess. something I would do. <laughs> um, well, Dan, it's a podcast, not an Instagram page. Yeah. But if you want to generate followers, you got to be posting all the time. All right, Instagram algorithms will all reward right. you. All right. Fair. Businessman. Business over Business here. Businessman over here. I care. I matter. Goodbye. Yeah. All right. Later.